Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Rihanna. Welcome to church if this is um, a new experience for you. Um, we like Christmas is such a special time and I feel really honoured to be able to bring a word. My, um, my theme this morning is about Mary, the unexpected gift. So each gift in this um, Advent series has a name. And the unexpected gift that I actually got this week was to be able to already preach this sermon. And um, the recipient was about six foot tall and had brown hair and she works in a cafe and she was very convicted and very condemned by this message. And so even if no one gets anything out of this message, I, all the people like listening on the podcast is like, who was it? It was me. And I, I needed this message. And so for us to be able to start our weeks on a Sunday, for us to be able to start the first Sunday of December with Advent awaiting the Lord is so um, wonderful. And I feel like really sets our posture right to be able to enter Christmas well and to be able to look at the story of Mary at the very start of the Christmas season is so poignant, not because it's something we do every year, like Jess said, or, you know, she's a part of the nativity, so we've kind of got to, got to get her tech ticked off, but because at the heart of it, and Louis even said this to me this week, at the heart of it, there are so many lessons that we can learn, and we can just dig deeper and deeper into her story, and um, to be able to do that at the start of the festive season um, will set us apart from the... Um, patterns of this culture that want to pull us under and want to keep us busy and send us into a tizzy. And so um, I want to talk first about the expected gifts that we might be um, anticipating this Christmas season. So when we think forward to what Christmas is, you think about the expected gifts and all of us are going to be like, I just love catching up with my friends and family. There's so much good food, you know, work finishes, like we might have a few days off or whatever. And we get to go and see Christmas lights, we put up the Christmas tree, we exchange gifts, so beautiful, love Christmas. And the unexpected gifts that almost all of us would consider to be a noteworthy part of Christmas, but no one is bringing up in casual conversation or putting on their social media, is the undercurrent that we, f- that we might feel. For some of us, that might look like the financial pressure. How many more presents can I actually afford to buy right now? Is there a way that I can um, cut down costs for our own food while we're bringing these extravagant feasts to these family dinners? Maybe it is an overflowing calendar. You're looking down the barrel of December thinking, how can I possibly say yes to one more thing? Or maybe it is work deadlines. You are just like submitting reports. You're... um, you know, finishing up for the year, so you need to get the staff sorted, you need to get the holidays sorted, you need to take leave. There is a pressure to feel festive, to want to be like, no, I'm having a good time. I love Christmas. It's so good when you're actually just feeling weary and maybe lonely and maybe disappointed as we come to the end of the year and that maybe has some unwelcomed reflection. I feel like for so many of us, that is the unexpected gift that we receive every Christmas. But somehow in the midst of this, we as Christians or Christ followers, we're supposed to be able to like stop, like we've been talking about this morning, stop and slow down and acknowledge the birth of Jesus and what that means for our life. And how can we do that when we are at capacity and we are weary and we are burdened? I think that in the same way, there is, there is so much of that undercurrent in the story of Mary that might not be noticed upon first reading her story. And, um, you know, our, our outside perception of her 
puts her in the nativity and she's this beautiful mum with this baby. She didn't have any medical intervention. She comes and she gets some gold and some myrrh and some frankincense and she births the saviour of the world. Miraculous and honour. But the reality and the unexpected reality of that is that, like Jess said, she was a teenager. She was from a very poor family. She birthed in a barn because she didn't have somewhere to stay. It's, there are so many profound lessons to learn from Mary's story, but particularly important to consider as we enter this time of year. And that is like, of course, the conception and the birth and the life of Jesus is this unexpected miracle that Mary could never have seen happen. However, her story is, the amazing thing in her story is Mary's ability to be able to harness contentment in God's plan without circumstantial comfort. Her story provides a counter-narrative to the rush and societal pressures that remind us that contentment can and should be found in the simplicity and the surrender to God's will, no matter how wild the story gets. Because at the the heart of it, Mary was the unexpected recipient of the saviour of the world, and yet God still asked this of her. And so let's read from Luke Uh, Chapter 1, verse 28, it'll be on the screen if you want to follow. Cam said that this will be a measure of who's old in the congregation because everyone will be like, but if you can't read it, just close your eyes and listen. (laughs) I'm looking for some squinters, just so you know. (laughs) All right, so Luke chapter 1, it says, "In In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused, c- confused and disturbed, and the, there's other translations that say she was perplexed, she was deeply troubled, she was startled, and never to be outdone, the, mas- the message paraphrase says that she, she was thoroughly shaken. And then I feel like even just on that, some of you and some of us and definitely me, as we're gathered this morning, we might be thoroughly shaken about something that is going on in your life. We might be deeply troubled looking down the barrel of December and thinking about how we're going to get through it. And we might be thinking, I wish this wasn't happening. I just need a little more time. Why am I here? I never thought I would experience this. You're confused. You're startled. You can't handle this. But still, we read that this experience is shared by Mary, the one that God chose. Mary was confused and disturbed. Don't be afraid, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him the name that is above every other name. You will call him Jesus, and he will be great, and we will be called the and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary asked the angel, "But how can this happen? I'm a virgin." The angel replied, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the and the oh my gosh, I'm squinting. <laughs> Pride comes before a fall, I guess." The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And if this was us, we would say like, but 
can we just wait a little bit? Mary would be like, can we just wait till I'm married? Or can we just wait till I have a house? Or can we just wait till I have a bit of money? And we might be at the end of the year saying like, can you just wait till the end of term? Or can you just wait till I've like put my out of office email on? Or can you just wait till I've got a little bit more money or I've got a bit more saving when God is asking things of us? But Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And there's another translation of the last line, and it's in the ESV, and it translates the verse like this. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She was disturbed. She was confused. She was thoroughly shaken. And yet Mary hears the angel speak, throws her life into an absolute spin and says, Let it be. Let's pray. God, I feel so thankful that within the story of Mary, there is an invitation and there is an application for all of us. I pray that we would be able to put our own pride, our own control, our own um, desire to be God in our life aside, be able to humble ourselves before you and receive the word that you had for us. God, I pray that um, you would bring to the forefront of our mind things that you are asking of us and you would paint a picture clear as day of the purpose that you've set before us, Lord, so we would be able to release our hand and declare like Mary that your word would be done and let it be in our lives. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, That is verse 38, and we're faced here with like Mary's unbelievable response to the angel Gabriel. It is full of humility and acceptance that, like, you think about it now, it would be hard to expect of any teenager to respond to any request with that amount of humility and acceptance. However, she is, her whole life is about to be completely upturned. She is about to experience, like, um, social taboos. She is about to experience judgment from her family, from her friends. The predicted trajectory of her life is about to get thrown into a tailspin, but yet we see her willingness to accept a path that is unexpected and so far from ideal. We see here the essence of contentment, and that is a heart aligned with God's purpose. And so maybe for us as a church and maybe for us as individuals, this is a good time for us to check in with ourselves and how are we going with actually aligning ourselves to God's purpose and finding that contentment, not only when things are really hard, but also in the mundane, everyday, ordinary parts of our life. That surrendering statement that Mary says in the ESV, it says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be is found in another scripture and it was written about a thousand years before and that is in Psalm 116 verse 16 and the psalmist captures that same spirit of surrender and contentment and it says this, O Lord, I am your servant, yes, I am your servant born into your household, you have freed me from my chains, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. It's true for us to say that Jesus was definitely an unexpected part of Mary's story. He was a gift that like completely transformed her life. And I feel like any mother would be like, you are changed the second that baby is born. But she, um, she loved him and she wept for him and she stood by him. She had other children who he was an older brother to. They cared for each other. But the unexpected gift that I think that is easy to miss in this story is that despite the circumstances Mary faced, that act of surrender that we see 
actually, like the psalmist said, freed her from the chains of societal expectations and norms. She had such a radical transformation from that moment that it propelled herself away from the ability to wield to the world. And she actually had no choice but to cling to the faithfulness of God and believe and declare beyond what she could see or perceive that God was working together, working all things together for good. Jess and I spoke earlier this week about how many moments there would have been in between hearing this and actually being confirmed that Jesus was the Son of God when he um, started his ministry even. There would be so many times that Mary didn't, wasn't even afforded the option to just like live life as normal, but she had to hold on to this truth and this interaction with the angel Gabriel to say, I'm, I'm standing on the truth of God because I have no choice. And so in that moment, her, her chains from what society expected from her and perhaps what she wanted for herself, they were loosened and they were broken. And likewise, we are called to surrender our own plans and our own expectations and desires to God. Which we're supposed to trust that his plans are greater than our own. And so your obedience and my obedience as surrender to God, it actually should put us in a place where you can't just return and you can't just back out and blend in. I think that we should all, as we, as we start Christmas and we consider the arrival of the Lord, are, the th- are, the cha- are our chains bonding us to the things of the world or the one who created it? Is our life so radically changed that we can't go back and we have to say, even though this feels hard and even though this feels confusing, I'm standing on the faith that I made a declaration to the Lord and I yoked myself to him. Because if it is easy to go back and go back and be disguised in the pattern of the culture, perhaps you have not surrendered everything to the Lord just yet. And of course, like that surrender to God's will, it doesn't mean a life free of challenges, obviously. But it means finding contentment in every single circumstance. And Jesus calls it peace. Just read the verse before. I didn't actually realize it was the weekly verse. But in John 14, 27, this is a slightly different translation, I think. But it says, I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. It's tempting to hold off seeking or receiving that, that peace until circumstances are right. And I'm sure Mary, like I said before, had a similar tr- temptation. You don't want to receive the peace because you're actually holding so much tension that you just need to get through what you've got right now. It might be just wait until this conversation's over or wait until I f- t- tick off that to-do list or you know, wait until I like, move houses or do this or do that. We... That is us putting ourselves in control. That is that same spirit of pride that thinking, I will find peace, the one that Jesus left me. I'll pick that up when I'm ready, when it can be just like slotted in into my repertoire of things to do. Things to do. Buy Christmas gifts, roast the ham or whatever you do with a ham. (laughs) Anyway, maybe this year experience peace just on the to-do list when things are right you know when you've got the tinsel on and you're ready to go however God says in every moment in every moment he's with us and when circumstances aren't quite right 
God is, we, we still are called to yield from God. It's not dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on our attitude. It is a resource that's given for, to us for every season, every day, and in every minute, no matter how mundane that is. I think we consider the peace that God gives us and we think of, you know, still just like rallying up some peace when things get really hard or when a tragedy strikes. But where is your peace when you're losing your temper at work? Or where is your peace when you're making dinner for your family? And where is your peace when you're on a walk and you feel agitated about something? It's in those moments that the resource is still given to you open-handedly. And so perhaps this season, the unexpected gift that you need is contentment and it is peace to not only get get you out of the deep slumps of disturbed confusion, but to bring the light of Jesus into your ordinary everyday moments. Do you have church, an ability to find contentment not only in the highs and lows, but be able to give your let it be to God in the everyday mundane moments. To help us find and receive that gift of peace and to kind of make it an accessible, we got this kind of moment, I want to give you three ways and three questions so that you can regain your let it be in the lead up to Christmas. And I want to take out from the model that's given to us from Mary's story in the chapter of Luke and in the psalmist um, declaration in Psalm 116. So here we go. We got this. Number one, for us to be able to surrender control, we need to let go of control. Devo. So control is the enemy of submission. Control is the enemy of submission, but it is the currency of our culture. Mary's let it be is like an outworking of the Proverbs 3 that tells us to trust wholeheartedly in the Lord. We need to submit our plans and desires to His sovereign will. And when we release that grip of control, we make room for God's purpose to unfold in every facet of our lives. So open your hand to the Lord in your mind. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what are you holding on to that you need to let go of and be obedient in releasing it. What are you holding on to that you need to let go of? What are you holding on to that you might be afeard that the Lord won't actually pick up? What are you holding on to that you feel like you've held on to so much it's permeated as a part of your identity? Open your hand to the Lord and surrender what it is. And that is an act of faith. That is an act of trust. And that is an act of surrender. Number two, we offer up a sacrificial thanksgiving. That The psalmist continues from verse 16, and it says, I will offer you up a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And that just, I feel like, sounds really lovely. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll offer, up, offer this up. It's way better than the sacrifice of like the slaughtered lamb and the turtle dove and everything's just getting sacrificed. The sacrifice of Thanksgiving, beautiful, beautiful. It's Christmas. And how is saying thanks sacrificial? But true Thanksgiving that surpasses our own circumstance and stands in the every single moment kind of contentment that God gives us, it involves sacrifice because it requires humility and selflessness and a conscious decision to look beyond our circumstances and still declare that we are thankful Later on in chapter Luke, in Luke chapter 1, Mary sings this like long, beautiful song of praise and thanksgiving that are in spite of her circumstances. And I thought about singing it and I thought, you know what? I don't want to steal a parade. It's not about me. <laughs> you read it. Just next time you read it, just 
picture me singing it in the middle of my sermon and just then you'll be able to give thanks. Okay, so so her beautiful song, it's like a, a whole part of the chapter and it is her giving thanks. Can you imagine what it would take for a for a teenager, maybe 14 or 15, to look at the circumstances saying, I am pregnant, I have to tell people, I have to learn to live with my betrothed husband like this, I have to learn to live in every season like this, what is this going to mean? And yet still she sings this song of worship and thanksgiving despite her circumstances. That is sacrificial thanksgiving, that puts your own righteousness aside and declares that you will give thanks to the Lord in all circumstance. So what part of your pride, your entitlement, and your desire for control do you have to sacrifice and you have to put aside to be able to give the Lord genuine thanksgiving this season? Not just thanksgiving, you know, when Christmas Day arrives, but in every single moment, can you give thanks? And if not, why? What do you need to put down to be able to do that? And the last one is persist in your purpose. Before she became a mother... Mary declared herself that she was a servant of God. And I feel so strongly for this to be the encouragement for our church in a season that is marked by weariness. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Psalm 112 says that my strength comes from God and Isaiah 40 verse 28 says that God will not grow tired or weary and he has far more understanding than any of us could fathom. There is no limit to God's strength and understanding and we have the opportunity to be able to draw straight from that, to be able to siphon straight from that. We must prioritise and we must persist. And so as we consider that, that we have God's infinite strength, and then the psalm says, we get our strength straight from God. And then Galatians 6 says, do not tire, do not tire of growing, of doing good. And so it's like this flow on effect that at its core means that we get personal access to the strength of God and his understanding that never runs out, that we will never understand. And so prioritizing and persisting that we are servants of God, where in your priority list have you put that? Being his light to others, speaking life into your community, loving your neighbours, all of these things that we are called to do, we are called to submit, we are called to surrender. Where does that fit in your priority list? Because if it is covered in other things, you need to bring that right to the top of the list, declare to yourself, declare to a community of faith if you're comfortable to, that you are a servant of the Lord and that is top tier priority, identity identity shaping behaviour and um, and be challenged that things will try and come against that, but it is a persistent discipline to declare and believe that over your own life. And so, um, Band, if you want to kind of come up, feel welcome. Um, it's the 3rd of December now. No, yes, it is. I, I didn't write this on the 3rd, so I feel like that's a real act of faith, knowing that I'm trusting my past self. So it's the 3rd of December right now, and I'll be honest... There have already been a million times in the last three days that I have relinquished my peace and I have fought for that tight grip of control and I have wallowed in my own circumstances instead of practising thanksgiving. And I've probably, if I'm honest, even resented the calling or purpose in my life. And I'm wondering that even 
now as we start this Advent season, if you're looking down, just like trying to get to December 25th, if you feel thoroughly shaken by the prospect of finding peace, even with my three-step foolproof guide, you still think, I can't do this. It's just another thing to do. I'm going to fall short. We will fall short. I will fall short. But as we consider these lessons from Mary's story and from the Psalms, we cannot ignore this surrender that happened on another sacred ground about 30-something years later. And that was in the months in the months after Mary said, let it be, came the Son of God. And with Him came an eternal calling to live the life that we cannot. He was led to His crucifixion as an innocent prisoner to free the chains of all who would put their faith in Him. And as He approached His crucifixion, He was carrying the weight of our sins upon His shoulders. And in Luke 22, the phrase He says there is the exact same Greek word that His mother said when she found herself at this unfathomable crossroad. He said in verse 42, Father, if You are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but Yours be done. And this same Greek phrase, let it be, echoes from Mary's humble acceptance to Jesus' sacrificial surrender on the cross as an act that is an invitation to us today and into this Christmas season. So as we wind up the year and as we enter our Advent season, let us, I didn't mean this as a pun, but let's unwrap the unexpected gift of contentment. And instead of clinging to our plans and our expectation of what society says, let's lean into the purpose that God has for us through Jesus Christ. We take a cue from Mary and we take a cue from Jesus who said, let it be. Let us also surrender our worries and our anxiety and even our dreams to the one who has the whole universe in His hand. This surrender isn't just about tweaking our holiday plans, but it has the potential to reshape our entire lives. The big and the mundane moments, even in our eternity, may our lives hum with the melody of let it be. Let's find peace and fulfilment in God's master plan. It's a plan that's crafted by the one who loves us and it brings peace into our chaos. It extends forgiveness time after time after time and it is the only key to loosen our bonds and break the chains by inviting us into a deep, meaningful relationship with Him. So church, let me pray for you as we finish by offering up a sacrificial thanksgiving of worship. And if this is something that maybe you want to pray for the first time, or maybe this is something that you feel like you really need to revisit, or somewhere along the line you lost your peace, or maybe this is something that as we start Christmas, you think, I can't do it again like I have every other year. I need something fresh. I need real peace. I need it not as the world gives it, but the one that Jesus says. Lord, I am so thankful that Your Word is alive and it is active. God, I pray that You would just like cut through the decay of our heart and into into the middle of our lives, Lord. I pray that we would feel Your presence and we would submit to it, Lord. And as we start this Christmas season, we, we sit before You with open hands to say, let it be. And we surrender our own will to pick up Yours, God. I pray that You will be faithful to show us Your way. I pray that we would be excited to celebrate and worship You and that we wouldn't conform to the pattern of this world that is chaotic and busy and overwhelming and 
weariness inducing God. I pray against those things and I harness and invite in the peace of Jesus. I pray for anyone accepting that peace for the first time, God, that you would rush in. You would rewrite old words written on their heart. You would bring with it a new identity, new revelation, new restoration. And God, for those who just are are persevering, we're just going through the motion, God, I pray that you would come in like a rushing wind, that our surrender would fill us with strength straight from the source, that you never get tired of understanding, you never get tired of giving us strength, but you long to be in relationship with us. So I pray that that relationship would be forged and would be repaired each time we declare surrender, each time we declare thanksgiving. Each time we declare that we are a servant of You, God, what an honour. Help us to not miss that honour and not miss that unexpected gift as we go into this Advent, Lord. We pray in Your precious, mighty and saving name of Jesus. Amen.